This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. This week saw Palace take on Sheffield United without a win all season and the Eagles piled on the misery for Chris Wilder's men with a 2-0 victory. An early Jeff Schlupp strike put Palace one up before injury curtailed his match, but his replacement, Ebere Eze, scored a goal of the season contender to put the match safe in first half injury time. The Match Report Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Right, I am Chris Hambling, as your, your host. Not as always, but nearly as always. You know, um, quite regularly, I would say. And who, who usually stands in for me? It's Mike Scott. Hi, Mike. Hello. And we've also got returning after a long, long time in exile for matters we just simply won't go into today, but he's been allowed back. It's Alex Penge. Hello. Good to be back. Feels like a long, long hiatus like James Tompkins, but um, yeah, I'm back. I'm back and better than ever. Well, listen, let's just don't do it again. That's what I'm going to say. Well, that, that thing that you did, uh, just don't, don't do it again. <laughs> I won't do it again. Don't worry. <laughs> if we're talking about the right thing. <laughs> Anyway, um, low on news this week for our Palace news segment, so we'll very quickly dive into the little smatterings of, uh, of, of rumours that we've got for you. The first is that Palace have been linked with a centre-back playing for Schalke. It's Ozan Kabak. Uh, so, <laughs> amusingly, we're, we're up against Liverpool, Man United and Leicester in that one, and they're talking about a £25 million fee uh, for a 20-year-old centre-back playing in um, what's a struggling Schalke team, Alex? Yeah, 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 definitely. He's um, the he's well, he's one of the shining lights of a really terrible side that's breaking records all, all sorts. You know, breaking all sorts of records with you know losing streaks, and they're at the bottom of the table at the moment in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, he's highly rated. Liverpool were after him, um, and we're, we're looking at him quite a lot in December time when they had that period um, without um, you know with all their injuries at centre back. Um, but I don't see it happening myself. Uh, I could see him. Obviously, you know, looking at those bigger sides and 
and I don't see us forking out that 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 big money that's um, been rumoured and twenty five million pounds is a lot of money for us. So yeah, don't think it's a go. No, but little doubt we do need uh, younger players in the squad and we certainly need to freshen it up at centre-back. And the, the second rumour, of course, uh, at the moment after James Tompkins was linked with West Brom, it's now Mamadou Sacco being linked with a move to West Brom. Uh, his contract obviously expires in the summer. Now, Palace do have the option to trigger an extra year, but it will be on his existing wages, rumoured to be around £120,000 a week. Um, so it seems extremely unlikely that a player who's not being picked and has been fit to play for quite some time, but very much out of favour with Roy, is, um, is being linked with a return to working with former manager Sam Allardyce. West Brom desperate, of course, but realistically, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Mike, but I, I, I just look at Sacco's situation and to me, it makes much more sense for him to run down the contract that he's currently got. Um, whether or not he would join West Brom to the end of the season for game time, surely that just risks injury uh, and he can't really pick his move later on. So what do you reckon? The only way that he's going to get anything like the wages that he's on now is as a free agent, surely. And I mean, I don't know. You, you couldn't expect Allardyce to stick around if this is the first time that he doesn't keep a side up. And, and if he does manage to do it, it will be his greatest performance because West Brom are shit. They <laughs> really are. Um, yeah, absolutely right. Um, you know, still personally, I'm, I'm someone who still rates Sacco. Still think he's a, a tremendous footballer, yep. but I'm, I'm very much in the minority um, looking around social media and things I'm like that. I'm with you. I'm with you, Christopher. Yay. Alex, are you with us? Yeah, definitely. In his pomp, he was, he's probably up there as one of our best centre-backs ever in his pomp. That's a bit controversial, but I think when he was fully fit, he was great for us. Well, there we go. All three Mama Sacco fans are on this podcast. Who thought? Who would have thought it? Anyway, and uh, last little bit for you up front. We always like to say this, and that is make sure you visit all of our social media channels. Uh, just search for Back of the Nest on all of them. We're there, apart from TikTok. We thought about it, but we, uh, we're all old. That's the basic situation there. That's a DR uh, but most thing, of, isn't it? That's a DR. Well, thing. even he hasn't gone that far. <laughs> Um, but he is on YouTube, uh, fronting up our YouTube coverage. It's growing and growing all the time, as he likes to talk about. And he's absolutely right. There's a wonderful little community developing there, particularly for the watch-alongs. It does involve quite a lot of away fans as well, giving us grief throughout. And um, yeah, Dr was telling me off for reacting this week, but uh, I can't help it. I just find it I find it fun. And I, I'm boring people I don't like, so I have a go at them as well. But anyway, uh, check out YouTube, like and subscribe. Join the 1,500-odd people on there already following every move. Uh, and as we're in a transfer window, you'll see more and more from Dr Kernaz around the transfer rumours. If you want to keep up to date on the, uh, on the realistic and the ridiculous, and we'll cover all of them. So here we go. We're getting straight into the topic of the Sheffield United game. It was a 2-0 victory for Palace, as you heard in the intro. Both goals coming in the first half. A very early strike from Jeffrey Schlupp as Palace started strongly and really needed to after recent performances. First half in Leicester was terrible. Obviously, the two games prior to that against Villa and Liverpool were shambolic. So Palace really needed that effort from the start and they gave it against, let's face it, what was a terrible terrible side in Sheffield United they look relegated already there's just no fight in them whatsoever um really really felt for the Sheffield United fans I don't often feel for the away fans but uh, but I certainly did there but we want to start with talking about the man of the moment and that's Eberechi Eze absolutely superb loads of people got in touch asking for us to talk about him today with uh Jack 
Jackster uh, CPFC on Twitter, just asking the question, is Eze the best thing since sliced bread? And it's difficult to compare a footballer to sliced bread, I have to say. Um, but, I mean, let's just talk about the man, the potential, the player right now. And, and Alex, you haven't had an opportunity to talk on Back of the Nest about him. What are your thoughts just on, on the player that we've signed? Oh, he's such an elegant player. Like, that's one thing that really stands out to me. I think when you see him run with the ball, he's so balanced. He's almost like a figure skater at times, the way he just turns with, that, with ease. He's just really good to watch. Um, and it's nice that we've actually gone out and just looked at talent in, in the championship and just you know cherry-pick someone who's you know the right profile um you know obviously south london born born and bred um and you know he fits perfectly you know in our side for the future probably you know obviously hodgins always tricky to know where how he would fit in obviously he didn't start the game yesterday but he's got so much potential and you know at least someone we could build the, the team around for years to come and that's if you know no one else comes knocking on our door to try and pick him up because mm. you know I don't, I, I'd be find it I'll find it tricky to just to see how we can keep hold of him if he continues this because he's started really well and that's with like limited opportunities so far so you know it's exciting yeah. and 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 the great thing is I hope uh, you know I know it didn't happen with Wilf with Wilf going off and playing for Ivory Coast but you know Ezzy could could actually play for England couldn't he he's actually he's still eligible he's, he's played for the under twenty ones. Um, and it'd be nice to have someone like that if Wilf does go in the future. Someone like that we build a team around. It'd be so so exciting to have someone from the area as well, you know, South London boy, um, and and someone that we can look up to. So yeah, really exciting times. Definitely, and you know, we'll certainly talk a little bit more about potential international chances in a moment. Um, but you know, f- for me, it's it's very interesting to see the football world sort of standing up and taking note. And I went back and read. Um, the article in the um, in the Athletic um, from from when we signed him, it was literally released on the day that the bid got accepted, and it talked about the kind of journey which we're all familiar with. But it also went into the detail of, of Palace's work scouting him, um, and we spent an awful long time looking at him and, and made contact with QPR, you know, a year before we signed him, um, and, and basically started to discuss our, our plans at that point and what we felt and. Obviously, at that point, we didn't agree a fee. And I think it was Les Ferdinand who came out and said that Palace were the closest ones to, to agreeing anything, but never actually made a bid. So maybe by waiting that little bit of extra time, we ended up paying more money. Um, and negotiations were, were certainly um, extended. Lots of other people came in. But the, 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 you know, the reason he joined Palace is because he saw it as the right club. And that's, you know, when we talk about potentially him leaving and all that sort of stuff and other people coming in for him, I just... You know, I, I cling to the fact that he will have a plan in his head. He would have, you know, had those difficulties before, um, and he will see that developing, growing, improving as a player at Palace is probably the best thing for him in the in the short term, at the very least. But we've got to talk about the goal, Mike. Sai got in touch, Saber seventy four on Twitter, and said, "As a scored goal of the season, no debate." And I know you mentioned a, a friend of yours questioned that. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean. In fairness, he's a Millwall supporter, so um, there may have been something to do with that. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to mention the sliced bread thing. He is the best thing since sliced bread, but um, I mean, currently Chris is on keto, so he isn't having it. And I've decided <laughs> that I'm not going to cut beer out in January. I'm just going to cut down on sliced bread. So I'm going to say he's better than sliced bread. Um, yeah, the, the goal I, I suggested to him on a Zoom chat um, that we were having... Just, just when match of the day was about to kick off, um, I was like, "Put it on." This, it's got a similar goal 
to either the one that John Barnes scored against Brazil or the one Maradona scored against us. And it came on, um, and some of the others on the chat had already seen it. So they're like, oh, it's amazing, amazing. It's, no, I don't see it. It's nothing like it. He's just walked through them. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's Sheffield United. He can only beat who he's in front of. But the, the elegance, the fact that he used the player to block the view of the keeper, absolutely everything. I was like, it's 70 yards. What, what's wrong with you? In the end, uh, I chose the Eze goal above my friend, and he's no longer my friend. <laughs> well, look, the, uh, the, probably the only thing I could say to that, right, is that because he made it look so easy, it could be it's easy to underappreciate it because it does look effortless, right? But that's the genius of it. That's why it is that special, right? To walk past players the way he did. You can't even spot the acceleration, but if you watch him in relation to the players he's going past, you know, he, he absolutely speeds past them, but it doesn't look like it. You know, everyone used the word glide, and, and that's exactly what it is. It's gliding past people, but the quick feet to get past Ampadu. Everyone's saying, oh, what a terrible challenge from Ampadu. But it, it was just a change of direction and the, and the sudden touch. You know, it didn't break stride. The legs moved at the same speed, if you like, but, but somehow he was quicker and that touch came out of nowhere. It was absolutely superb. And like you say, to have the the natural presence of mind to make that calculation, to see the defender in the position he's in, that comes from real class. That That is the, the kind of thing you see in, in footballers who are just instinctive and very, very special, and rightly so. Most people lauding it, apart from Millwall fans. But, of course, Millwall let him go as a kid, so they must be feeling a bit sick. Yeah, I did remind him of that. Um, he was unaware. I, I, did, I didn't realise quite how difficult he'd, he'd had it um, as a kid, you know, to the point where he was going to work in a shop instead. I mean, incredible turnaround. The list of teams that let him go is is unbelievable, really. You know, he was at Arsenal, um, he was at Reading, he was at Bristol City, um, Millwall, obviously. I think there's a couple of others in that list who who must be really, really sick. Alex, what did you think? I mean, your your views on the goal, I've got to let you talk about it. Well, it, it was brilliant, yeah. It's sort of like, it's sort of more technical, I think, than, you, do you remember Sodden's goal from last season? I think that one, that goal of the season against yeah. Burnley, where he ran past, you know, from one side of the pits to the other. But this one was a bit more technical all the you know the really nice touches um and you know as he just comes across as sort of like a you know those 360 players the players that sort of like can turn just so easily um and you saw that in just the way he made it so effortless just you know running past um that that, that Sheffield United midfield and yeah I think it was a great finish towards the end of it as well um she's just showing that he's, he's definitely got that end product um, and that potential to to score a lot of goal for us in the future so yeah, really exciting. For sure. And you mentioned, of course, that you know he wasn't started, he wasn't selected to start in this game. Um, yeah. So I've got an interesting question around this. So obviously, I want him to start every game. I love watching Eze play. I get frustrated when he isn't picked from the start. And you know, I, I love Jeff Schlupp from what he from what he brings. I've very much changed in that respect since he stopped playing in central midfield. I no longer hate hate the fact that he's being picked. But, um, you know, and I was very, very sad to see him injured. But is there an argument to say that by doing this with Eze as a young player, it's quite a common tactic, isn't it, for young players, for managers to put them in and out of the side? Do you think he scores that goal if he, if he starts? Because he had two relatively quiet games prior to it. Um, and he was obviously, you could see, they, they showed a couple of um, shots of him on the bench um, during the course of the game. And he, he didn't look <laughs> particularly happy. Obviously, it was cold and... 
you know, he's having to sit in the sit in the stands and watch the action. But you know, did he? Do you think maybe he came on with a point to prove there? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think actually that was Hodgson's intention. You know, I just think that Hodgson he just just won't change, will he? he won't you know? Um, he's just stuck in his ways in terms of you know the way he wants to play football. I think that Eze's just such a tremendous talent that that talent will always just shine through eventually. And you know, you could see that he obviously really wanted to come on, came off the bench, and just you know, was just just perfect when he came on. Um, and it, it, I'm surprised he's had he's he's managed to take a you know, you know, with Hodgson, I was surprised that not surprised he didn't get many opportunities so far because he's obviously he's been in, in and out of start of the side. He didn't start at the beginning of the season, and then he had a spell of games, and obviously um, he played, and then obviously Hodgson dropped him, brought him back in yesterday. But um, the fact that he's had so little opportunities to 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 make his mark that he's you know he's done really well to be honest. He's scored a few, uh, well, he's, he's provided a few goals. He's sco- scored he's scored a couple. Um, he's combined really well with Wilf. Um, you, you couldn't ask for a better start, really, for a, for a new signing. And you see a lot of new signings in the, you know, in in the division that have just, especially players from the championship that come with big potential. Um, that you know sometimes take quite a while to to settle in. But he's obviously you know like a duck duck to water, isn't he? He's he's settled in really quickly, and and that's. You know, it's sort of like the one shining point of a sort of a tricky start for us, to be honest, because you know it's not been it's not been rosy, has it so far? But you know, no, although hope, hope and you know it gets better from now onwards. So indeed, but weirdly, our points total is is good for us. So it just feels it feels a whole lot worse. Yeah. I don't think the Liverpool and Villa games helped. But I mean, on on this topic, Mike um, Michael Hart got in touch and said, you know, obviously don't like to see people going off injured, but as they should have started. If Roy loves Schlupp so much, um, then can't you have Eze replace Townsend in the starting eleven? <clears throat> and I was thinking about this. It's it's very difficult. I mean, Roy was quite right after the game um, to talk about the fact that he has you know, those three, if you like, competing for, for two places, Eze, Schlupp and, and Andros Townsend. But after the Villa perfor- uh, sorry, the Leicester performance, I, I thought Townsend deserved to start. Um, but, but then, you know, Schlupp got the goal as well. So you know, where, where do you stand on that? So there's an interview with Chris Grierson um, on CPFC website. Um, I we can come on to that later. I think um, Roy wasn't grilled particularly particularly heavily on certain issues in that interview, mm. um, but he did say, you know, he's got three excellent wide midfield players. Is how he described them, and he said he, he chose Townsend a on the back of the the Leicester performance, which I think is, is absolutely justified. And and B on uh, Alex is absolutely right on the fact that he thought Eze could come on and do something later on in the game. Um, so you, you might be right that he he's playing some kind of mind games with him. But Alex is absolutely right. He, he even said as much. He wasn't expecting him to come on that early, and he wasn't expecting him to make an impact that early. Um, he sort of laughed while he was saying it. So um, whether Eze could have done much with fifteen minutes to go if it had been one apiece, I'm not so sure. Um, and you could certainly tell from the post-match interview that Eze had on Sky. Annoyingly, I haven't re-seen it. It's just hard to re-see those things. But he, there was an underlying element that he wasn't too impressed about being on the bench, which surprised me because everything I've heard from him come out of his mouth so far is a very humble, um, easygoing, intelligent guy. Um, and he clearly wants to be playing the whole time. And you can understand as a man that cost that much money, he probably was given promises that he would be playing a lot of games. So to to, to see yourself not starting two games is going to hurt. 
And I think he had a point to prove. Um, I'm not saying he necessarily did it just with the goal. It was across the, the, the whole of the game because he he defends in a way that people don't give him credit for as well. Um, you know, to, to say that Schlupp is the obvious choice as a def- as a defensive option as well as an attacking one is is a gibberish because we're playing a team with two points on the board um, that you know could, couldn't hit a barn door um, and be as a absolutely you know Hodgson said plenty of times that he surprised him with how good he is going back so there's no obvious reason for Eze to understand why he's not being picked so I can I can understand his frustration. Yeah, definitely. If if I was in his position, not not that I would be, especially not at my age. But um, if I was in, in his position, I'd be I'd be asking things like, even when he is picked, why am I not taking you know direct free kicks? Why does he have to concede that to to Luca every time? Given given his you know his, his success rate so far, you know um, the fact that he he takes a much better corner than anyone else on the team. Why is it that he's not taking every corner? Those are the sort of things that that do strike me as a little bit odd. Um, directly after the Leeds game, you know, the first, first game after, he he didn't take a single free kick or corner. I don't think. No. Nope. You know, and you're just like, what? What? He's just we scored from the corner that he took, and he scored with a direct free kick, and then you just don't let him do it again. So yeah, bizarre stuff, really. But no, you know, at the same time, it's good to have a, a player with hunger. Sometimes giving players a little bit of frustration, some that little extra edge does help. So. You know whether or not we give Roy the credit for that, I, I'm not so sure. But I'm I'm going to say whether it was accident or by design. You know it it worked in our favour in this game for sure. And you you know you've quite rightly talked about the fact that defensively, I thought particularly in this game, he, he did a really good job. There was a couple of times where it was him right at the back making absolutely key clearances. Not that Sheffield United were getting through our defence very well, but he was still really important. He was back there doing that work. So you know, we briefly mentioned are we how long before we might have an issue keeping him, and I, I don't want to dwell on that. It's something we undoubtedly have to come back to at some point if he continues this progression. But again, Alex, you mentioned international chances. Obviously, could play for Nigeria. Currently playing for the under twenty ones for England. Um, not doesn't always start, and, and quite often is uh, is subbed off as well for players that I don't think are, are anywhere near his his talent. Um, and it would be it'd be a horrible thing. If, if England were to miss out again, not that, you know, part of me does think that that whole environment isn't the best thing for a player, at, you know, at a club like Palace either, because all of a sudden you get a player called up to the England squad and people get in their ear and you lose them straight off. But um, I, don't, I don't like it as an environment. And part of me thinks, you know, he probably should choose Nigeria, but I am English. I want the national team to do well. And more, more than that, I want, Palace players playing for England as well. So realistically, do you feel he has an, a chance, even you know, in, in by the end of the season, potentially to be called up? And and if so, um, you know, do you, well the other the other side of the coin is if he was playing for a bigger club, do you think he'd have been called up already? Maybe, yeah. We've seen it with Southgate, you know, giving chances to players that have been in the under twenty one squad over sort of older players that are in the Premier League. But you know, on the other hand, we saw what you know Southgate's treatment with Wilf. Um, in the under twenty ones, and 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 how he never got a chance, and how he frustrated he he got, and he and he went to play for the Ivory Coast. So, uh, you know, it's uh, I was just looking at the odds actually to see um you know what his odds are to make the England squad for the Euros. All right, so I know it's a long shot, but twenty to one, and you look at the players that are above him that are shorter, you know, that likes of Delph and Loftus Cheek and 
uh, Deli Ali, you know, Ross Barkley's injured at the moment. You know, you could argue he's ahead of them at the moment, isn't he? So, you know, if there's a few injuries, then you might see him get called up, you know, in terms of for a friendly, giving him a chance. I'm not sure there's any competitive games, but, you know, I don't, probably it's a bit too soon for him this year. But in terms of the next campaign, he should definitely get a look in, should definitely be, you know, in the minds of, of, the, of that England backroom staff because, you know, you don't want to lose talent, talent like Eze and you know Eze's young, isn't he? He's still early, 22. twenty-two as well. He's got a big future, and you've seen it with you know like Grealish. Like Grealish is you know similar to sort of player, very like technically gifted. And you look at him; he's come leaps and bounds this year. He's obviously looks like he's going to be starting for England, the Euros. So you know why not? As eh? he should be given just, a chance. Just to add to that, um, I I don't think it's quite the same as Zaha in that I don't see that he has quite, I might be wrong but from, from what I've heard him, right? um, no 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 in terms of uh, family ties I, I think oh, I Zaha see. was under more, more family pressure to, to play for Ivory Coast than it seems as they would be to play for Nigeria the, the other thing is that um, the AFCON is being moved from every two years to every four years I, I think um, or certainly that was um, Infantino's um, hope so that that would limit the amount of Nigerian playing time because a lot of the time, you know, Africa African teams can seem like a better option, knowing that you're going to get a lot more international duty. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting that for sure. So we have a new sponsor for the month. It's Manscaped. So Manscaped have just launched in the UK. Uh, we've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first men in England to experience their life changing products now. Two of the people <laughs> on this particular call have had a lovely, lovely goodie bag or box, if you like, from Manscaped. Um, if, you, if you're a podcast fan like I am, you might have heard them on various different um, international podcasts, particularly stuff from, from the US. But as, as I just said, they have launched in England and uh, and we're really, really excited to partner up with them. And um, so, I mean, look, manscaped.com is where you need to head and You'll see from their product range exactly what they are, but the name should really give you a, an indication on what it is. Um, and you know, we're going to talk, uh, you know, talk frankly about it. And so, first of all, I guess, Mike, I'm going to start with you. I guess that um, not everybody really thinks about this, but I know you're a man who takes his manscaping very seriously indeed. And uh, what's your past experiences been of, uh, of, of trimming your testicles? I mean, not the testicles themselves, the the you know, the garden around them? Well, as a man in his mid-30s, hurtling towards 40, um, when I first started uh, the old manscaping back at school, um, it was a a time when it was a lot less socially acceptable. um, And I got so much shit for so many years. Um, It's great now to see that there's a company that's actually... You know, there's been adverts now, Yeah, the the, the Liverpool adverts and... um, Liverpool players, you know, shaving their chest and all that kind of stuff. It, it It's great that there's now actually a, a company that's offering people the opportunity to do it and, and um, actually decent tools rather than just nicking your girlfriend's uh, leg razor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so you, you sort of learn, don't you? But, but back in the back in the day when you were using a disposable uh, two-blade razor that you got from Poundland, that's not very effective. Um, but yeah, yeah, once you do it once, um, you know, once you turn the old bulls once, uh, it's pretty damn easy. There, there's a certain member of the podcast team that admitted he'd never trimmed ever 
Um, and it mm. sounded like his other half was very happy that he was going to do so. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, you certainly, you certainly, if don't do it for yourself, then you do it for do it for your other half. Yeah, it's it's absolutely worthwhile. I I, I opened the packet and I made a little video ready to to stick on on YouTube, but realised that. A, a lot of what you'd be doing isn't something you can really add to a YouTube video. So. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, on, on our recent watch along, we talked. Me and Dr. talked about it, and Dr. told everyone he was going to show them the package. And I had to clarify that the package he was referring to was indeed the box that we got sent um, of the goodies, uh, rather than his actual man package. Um, but look, uh, many of you will know this already because it's uh, it's quite a uh, an interesting um, and and hilarious thing. But if you go on to reviews of, uh, should we say, hair removal creams, and look at the stories that people have had trying to manscape using that kind of stuff, um, I think the song "Great Balls of Fire" is probably quite an appropriate song to think about. It's mentioning the about. tweeners, isn't it? So, like. absolutely right um but i've got to say look they sent they sent us a, a wonderful little kit it had the uh had the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer it had ball one, toner. Each, one each one each one each one each we weren't oh. sharing one no 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 you know we didn't all, all get together in a socially distanced way and shave each other's balls with a with a selfie stick or anything like that but what we did what we did to get is a is a wonderful selection of stuff so the trimmer um, the ball toner, ball deodorant, and DR, if we all share his unboxing video at some point. I've never heard anyone so excited about the concept of ball deodorant, um, but uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, but look, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll straight up, I've tried it out, and let me tell you, like, it, it is fantastic. It's so easy. And, and most importantly, you do feel really clean and fresh. It's a hygiene thing, and there's people out there who would never have even thought of trimming, and you don't realise how much of a difference it makes it really is impressive alex just very quickly you weren't fortunate enough uh, due to your exile to get a uh, to get a kit but you got any manscaping stories for us uh n- not nothing nothing of note but yeah it's nice to not be able to uh you know borrow me my girlfriend's venus like blade or my dad's big, <laughs> big razor or something and you know you know being uh being you know like you know in actual agony afterwards so uh yeah I, th- I think it's it's good. It's twenty twenty one after all, isn't it? So things like this are are, are you know fine these days. So <laughs> well, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who've who've had some terrible, terrible experiences trying to do some below below the belt trimming, and that is why Manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, <laughs> and just released the new and improved lawnmower three point zero. We have them. We have them. They exist. They are fantastic. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I do mean premium. The battery lasts for up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And and it's got an LED light. It illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Plus, you know, the light allows you to show off that area as well if you're feeling very frisky um <laughs> they've also upgraded to a 7000 rpm motor and uh, albert's favorite they've got quiet stroke technology uh, he always wants to talk about quiet stroke for some reason I'm, I'm not sure um and let's not forget about the charging stands you can show your mower off loud and proud because the intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb we at back of the nest want you to experience it firsthand for yourselves so you can feel as clean confident and fresh as we all do get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code b-o-t-n 
at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. I just need to add to that as well. It it can be used all over. Like it's better than my clippers. So um, you know, if you if you like if you give yourself a fade in 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 lockdown, it's going to help you as well. So just bear that in mind. It's 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 useful. Um, and anyone that's got any stories about horror stories about like splitting themselves open and stuff, send it on, and we'll we'll add it into the next pod. Absolutely right. And I, I don't mind telling you. They've got all sorts of other products in their range. Check out manscaped.com. I'll be using the 20% discount to get some additional bits myself, I have to say. Um, huge range of stuff there. And um, I'm very in, – in the package that we got, we also got some uh, some really fresh boxes. Um, I'm very happy with those as well. Incredibly comfortable. But anyway, um, there you go. Manscaped.com, code BOTN for 20% off. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fantime videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, topic two for us, and it's I've called it Roy Rescued, but it's really an opportunity for us to talk about the game itself, the performance in general. You know, how did how do we feel it went? You know, I thought certainly first half was a very strong showing against a team that were clearly struggling, but we didn't give them anything. We didn't really let them into the game at all. And you know, usually I get a little frustrated if we're a little over negative or anything like that, but I think it was exactly what was called for. You know, we were playing a team that. You know, if, if we weren't careful, we'd do what we often do, which is which give a team that's struggling that little ray of light, give them a bit of confidence, give them a bit of time on the ball. But we were right at it from the very start. And I think that made a real impact. And uh, Mike, I know you've, you've chucked in the, um, the positional report in there. And looking at Palace's structure there, you know, it's very noticeable first and foremost that the, the front four were operating in a, in a very strict line, um, if you like. So... You know, plenty, plenty of people getting forward. You know, Schlupp was started on the left. Um, Benteke dropping deep and Wilf was really the kind of figurehead up the top. Um, and, and it was from that first goal came from Benteke dropping right to the halfway line. A fantastic cushion header into Townsend. Townsend's fantastic ball over the fullback for Zaha rushing on. And then after that, you know, we got a little bit fortunate with Benteke's first time pass deflected into the path of Schlupp. But he reacted brilliantly. Again, a little deflection on the shot, but not enough to keep it out. And and that was reflected in how we played throughout the entire first half and then obviously controlled the second half afterwards. But anything you wanted to pick out, Mike, in terms of how we set up, how we played? Yeah, I, I think the reason I added this in is because we essentially played a 4-2-4. And if, if you look at them, they played a 
congealed mess. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they've got the, <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. Um, but yeah, a, a strict four-two-four with um, with the so MacArthur and Luca playing very much um, in the middle of the middle, um, and like you say, a front four that very much um, stayed in a line together. And and you mentioned Benteke there. I think one of the reasons I know Tompkins played down in the in the post-match um, saying that they. You know, the second half was just, you know, they know that they already knew that they'd won. So they, they just kept it simple. And fair enough, I, th- I think that's probably true. But Benteco going off with a dead leg, he, he played plenty of flick ons. It's no surprise that he had the, the most head one headers for, for Palace in the game, despite only playing half the game. So, yeah, I, I, there was a definite game plan for him to flick on and for, for, the, for them to stay fairly close together. Um, interestingly, Quite compact uh, again, not not too much de- down the flanks. Mainly, I think because the the team worked out fairly quickly that you could get through Sheffield United's defence without the need of going down the flanks and crossing it in. Um, Eze particularly, uh, but Schlupp as well, um, quite easily play the ball through them or and even run through them. So um, yeah, I don't think that these are tactics that are going to work against a lot of teams, and I'm sure Hodgson made sure that he tailored it towards a very poor Sheffield United side. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting that it was a 4-2-4 and, and very interesting that the, the front four played in a way that I don't think I've, I've seen before or certainly did until the injuries. No, definitely. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, the beauty of, of, um, of as a replacing Slup is we, we didn't suffer at all for that, for that injury. Obviously disappointing. And obviously Benteke went off injured with a dead leg as well. He'll obviously be back, I should think, before we see Jeffrey Schlupp again. But, um, so I do want to pick out prior, prior to the match kicking off. Uh, certainly, Alex, on social media, there was a lot of negative reaction to the team that was picked. Mainly centred around the fact we'll we'll talk about the Luca situation in a bit, but we'll, we'll keep to the on field, the on pitch thing. People still not a massive fan of Luca this season anyway, um, but also reacted quite negatively to to uh, Jimmy Mack starting uh, ahead of Gyro Riedeveld. So I suppose I mean I've asked the question: What has Gyro do, done wrong not to be picked? Um, but but I will admit, you know, that I thought Macca needed a rest, and I thought he was. Superb for Palace as well, but you know what was your initial reaction, and, and do you think perhaps Roy's decision was vindicated in the end? Bit disappointed, but um, obviously Roy has his favourites, doesn't he? You know, and and you know, and obviously there's no there's no blight on um, MacArthur because MacArthur has been a great servant for us. He's you know he's been excellent in the last six, six seven seasons, um, but obviously he's you know towards the end, I would say, um, and in. But he's still solid, you know. He's still a solid operator. I still think he's still got a bit of life in him. Um, uh, it's just a shame because I think Jairo, whenever he's been in the side, he just looks a bit more like combative. He looks like he's a bit more dynamic in there because um, there's just not a lot of pace if you have MacArthur and Luca in, in that midfield. And against someone like a, a Sheffield United, you know, I wasn't really excited at that, at that really because it's just a lot of reliance on on Wilf and a, a lot of reliance on. Um, um, on on Townsend as well, um, so yeah. But you know, obviously, we 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 were we we you know they're a team in a in, a, in well they were a team in an absolute state. Um, they've got they've had a few injuries. Um, they've 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 changed the side quite a lot in the last you know five or six games because of the position they're in in the league. So we were quite lucky, really. It was almost like a free hit for us. Um, 
because you know they were they're in a, a team in disarray. You know they're close to breaking the Premier League record, aren't they? In terms of like days, well, games without a win. Um, mm. And so yeah, we had it was really you could have put anyone out there. I, it sounds strange saying that, but I just think <laughs> I just think that that. that Sheffield United offered nothing going forward. They were they were a state, and I and 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 I think it was more them playing poorly than us playing well. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think we were outstanding, but I think we had some good individual performances. You know, obviously we we mentioned about Eze earlier, but I feel that Sheffield United are, are are in such a terrible situation at the moment. It was a perfect time to play them, especially after the amount of games that they've just played, how many games we've played. I think we've got the we've got the better squads out of the two teams and um, it just shows, you know, players like Riedewald, I think would be perfect for someone like Sheffield United, but, you know, he's on the bench for us and we've got players like Eze on the bench. Well, they've got, I think they had one less sub. I think they didn't have the maximum allocation of subs. Three, three less. They could have picked them. Three less, they yeah. So they, they really, really are struggling, aren't they, at the moment. So, yeah, to be honest, I think we could put anyone in the middle there and we would have been okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, Mike, you want to take this on a little bit. Just, you know, obviously, Sheffield United is a, is a good point to, to make and they have had the worst ever start of any team. I think it's any team in the top division, let alone just the Premier League, but certainly the worst ever start of anybody. And you're right, all sorts of records come in their way if they don't change that soon. But Mike, I know you wanted to, to sort of take the question around Gyro and, and, you know, would it have been better or worse if he'd been selected? And you, you, you know, you've got something to say on that, I'm sure. Yeah, um, you're, you're right about it. It is the worst ever start, by the way. They, they've got two points. That Derby team um, had five points. So this was before the game. Uh, Derby had five at the same point. Although um, Sheffield United are still a way off their record. They went 35 games without a win. Um, Sheffield United got 19. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've still got a way to beat that particular amazing record. But yeah, Jimmy Mack, I mean, I was frustrated with the Eze thing rather... I, I, at the moment, I think that we've got decent players. We've got two players for a lot of positions, so I'm not that bothered. I, the reason I like Joe to start is because you know a long term prospect for Palace, and I've just got a soft spot for him, and he's you know the haircut well well covered. Um, but J- 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 Jimmy Mack, so out of 31 attempted tackles during the game from Palace in total, nine of them were for Jimmy Mack, um, and it, it, it just underlines. It doesn't matter how old he gets. He doesn't ever need a break. He is the proper energizer bunny. He is the Scottish energizer bunny. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it would have been um, necessarily any better to have Jairo on there. Um, we had enough sort of players playing decent passes around Sheffield United without needing Jairo really, and that's what he's great at doing. His his passing is is absolutely a hundred times better than Lucas, and fifty times better than. Than Jimmy Max, but you're right, Alex. It wasn't really needed, so I'm not sure. Um, I think there might be a method to Roy's madness in that he he knew it wasn't really necessary this game. Having said that, let's see if he comes back in or not. Yeah, and I, I mean, I still maintain he didn't do a single thing to warrant being dropped, and there's nothing in no. his performances whatsoever to suggest that we aren't. In, in all honesty, we aren't a better side with him in there. Um, so I still don't understand it. But having said that, I thought, you know, despite the, the off-field stuff, I thought Luca had a very good game. I thought he was very good against Leicester as well, particularly in the second half. Um, and and, and Maka, you know, absolutely, as you say, energizer bunny. There was nothing there that suggested that he, he was tired. Um, so maybe, maybe getting subbed the other day was enough of a rest for him. I don't know. But, you know, I... I 
you know, I'm just a big fan of Gyro, as I'm sure everybody is, and I think he adds something different. And that's the one thing I do have a problem with with this Palace side, that we have too many people doing the same thing. And we don't really, we don't mix it up and we don't, we don't, um, you know, provide much of a surprise for anyone who's preparing to play us. Having said that, you're quite right, both of you saying that, that Sheffield United never had the capability to do anything about that anyway. Um, so the next topic is is around, you know, another thing that was a few people asked this question and I got copied in on a few tweets as well uh, during the course of the game, particularly when IU came on, um, when Benteke was injured ahead of Batshuayi again. Um, and it just seems, it seems very odd. You know, he, he's a, he is a quality striker. Not only that, you know, he's, he's going to, he wants to obviously play in the um, European Championships. He's, but he's currently behind Jordan Ayew in the pecking order at Palace, uh, the, the team he joined on loan to get more game time. So it, it seems extremely odd that he's that far down the pecking order. Um, I, I've raised the question, could it be financial? Is there a sum we have to pay every time he plays that, the reason that we're not using him off the bench, perhaps that's the only thing I can really think to justify it because Jordan Ayew is in wretched form. Um, but you know, Roy has in the past backed the players that are under contract at Palace over loan players. Um, you know, everyone remembers Camarasa, um, for as, as an example, there as well. <laughs> Do you though? <laughs> Sorry, some people might remember Camarasa, <laughs> 4,000 people that saw him, yeah. Um, but there you go. So, other, other views on that, Mike, I'll start with you and then Alex, I'll let you come in as well on that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's an odd one. I mean, well, first of all, you, you, I suppose you've got to remember that there was no real sign that Ben Teke was going to resurrect any kind of form when Batshuayi was um, was taken on loan. So he could have been below IU in the packing order the whole time, but still got a lot more game time because he would have been above Ben Teke in the packing order. So th- that, that's a renaissance that's not done him any favours. Um, but yeah, you, you've got to think that he might go go back um having said that you know he's just got a dead leg and it only takes one of them to get injured for Batshuayi to be to be back in it um the one thing I will add though is Palace weren't caught offside once during the game um so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you, you see Bruce Dyer levels of loving an offside um is uh is Batshuayi Alex your thoughts yeah, it's, it's a shame, really, that we've we've taken him on loan, especially with you know that the the rules now with with loans and the fact that you're only allowed you know one loan slot from each club. So if if we're not if we weren't going to give Batshuayi a chance, then uh, then why didn't we take someone else on loan from Chelsea? You know they've got loads of players that were you know good assets that we could have taken on loan. It sounds weird. It sounds weird me saying it. And there's a lot of players, but we were linked with Gallagher, weren't we? And um, yeah, and we we, we were li- we were linked. Well, you know who who's to say? You know someone else might have, might have been available. So yeah, it's a shame really because it's 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 like we've playing two up top now as well. So you know there is definitely a slot for 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 one other player to play out there with Wills. Um, I'm not. I'm not massive. I don't think that Benteke's been outstanding. I don't think he's been amazing. I just think he's been solid. I just don't think he's been, you know, I still think there's an opportunity there for someone to come in, whether that is AU, whether that's Batashuai, maybe having one more chance. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult really. Yeah. It does feel like, like we said, this season's always a transitional season. I think this is the last, you know, if, if Hodgson does leave in the summer, I don't think we could, I, don't, I didn't see us spending big money on a striker in the summer. Or big big money on any player, to be honest, apart from Eddie in the summer. So um, I think it's more of a stopgap until until the summer, until when we actually start investing on 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 a big striker. 
because yeah. well, I'll um, admire your optimism there. <laughs> no, look, it, it, I mean, obviously it feels like a waste. And given that we did, you know, we did have a deal in place for Gallagher and we chose to, to and it made sense at the time, yeah. it really did, to get to get a striker in. Um, I, You know, my, my gut feel is right now we would be better off having Gallagher as an option yeah. in the centre, centre of midfield than... A benched Batshuayi, but like you're saying, he takes one or two absences, and all of a sudden you, you might need him. Um, you know, there's a difficulty in him going back as well. Chelsea won't want to be paying him to sit on the bench um, at, at their club. They'd much rather we pay him to sit on our bench. And um, you know, you're, you're looking at someone else being able to take on those wages if they do take him back. They gave him an extra year on his contract, so this loan would just be an opportunity for us to maybe try before we buy again. But you know, I, yeah, it's it's not gone well, and I have, you know, not being smug or anything. I didn't think it would, if, if I'm being brutally honest. But it's not gone well for different reasons than I than I expected. Um, I expected us not to create much and um, him to struggle. Um, but there we go. It's it's been much more around the fact that other players have stepped up and we, we're playing in a certain way that doesn't appear to suit him. Uh, Mike, you, you brought up Klein. Obviously, Klein was um, was was said to have had a back injury. And that's and you know his contract runs out at the end of January, of course. Um, I, I have not heard anything myself. There's been spe- speculation that you, you've put in here, I think, that says they might not be staying, which obviously would be would be absolutely terrible in my view. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what are your your concerns there? Well, this is purely from people tweeting on the back of no inside knowledge, um, but it only takes that for me to be uh, petrified. So. Yes, um, he su- supposedly got got a knock, and and that's why it wards in. But um, his very short term contract he was given is 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 due to end very shortly. Um, and I I just I hope that the the actual reason he's not in the squad, not in the side, isn't to do with that. Because uh, I've just come to grips with the fact that the man is back, and he's been growing in confidence and looking excellent. And I really hope that he gets a contract. So I hope the people that wrote those tweets were just, uh, just doing it to try and give people a heart attack. Cause that would, that would suck big time. I think people immediately, you know, would not with, they, if they don't hear straight away, that's an injury. Yeah. People do fear the worst, don't they? And put, yeah. put two and two together and sometimes get five, but Obviously, nothing's been announced that his contract's been extended, and you know I have not. And, heard it, and it would myself. make no sense because he has been excellent and he's he's being picked. So um, you know, considering how short we are, I mean, I know um, Alex has said is Ferguson alive. Um, I think I think last time I heard he was due back in in January. Whether that's going to happen or not, you know, it's, it's going to be a sl- Hodgson's not going to dump him straight in the team. It's not the way he works. Um, no, but-, but I think I think more than that, you know the. the the sad thing with with Ferguson is that you know he's over the injury that he had to have an operation for was coming back to fitness and then got a got a thigh strain which put him out for another another three weeks. So every time he seems to come back to training, he's got that thing that all people have when they have a, a serious injury where you know the muscles are trying to get used to used to it. And it's not a good time of year either to start coming back and putting strain on muscles that haven't been used because you get pulls. That's why we saw you know a couple of injuries in the game, but. Um, but yeah, look, Ferguson is is you know talked about in, in very you know uh, no being a, a player capable of reaching a very very high standard. Lots of people have been very negative about it because he hasn't played yet, and understandably so. But as as you're getting to there, Mike, really, it's not likely that he's going to play anytime soon. So it'd be nonsensical to let Klein go uh, while that's still the case, unless we've got somebody else lined up. 
Or unless he's got something better lined up. But Which, I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised. Possible. Well, you never know. You, you know, if people know he's on a short-term contract, his performances wouldn't have gone unnoticed, would they? So maybe there is something else out there for him. But you, know, you kind of hope that he's, he's happy back at Palace, given given the few years he's had. So um, there's a. I think this is you as well, Mike, with with the crosses in the game. I don't know. What you'll bring talk about this one. Yeah, so there was only 11 crosses from Palace in the game um, and that's from who scored and, and their idea of a cross is, is yeah, they, they count most things as a cross. Um, so I sort of wondered whether the tactics that were initially put out for the game, which were working so well, um, got a bit lost when Benteke limped off with the, with the dead leg because he's become such a pinnacle point of the, the current system that's meant that we scored, you know, as many goals so far this season as we managed last season um, or was it just that Sheffield United worked so shit that there was no need for crossing um, it's, it's hard to tell um, I, I, I imagine that there'll be more crosses uh, against better sides well we don't yeah we, we still don't really cross a tremendous amount it gets talked about especially by you know commentators and summarisers they keep talking about the fact that with Benteke playing Palace will be hammering crosses into the box and we just don't do it. Um, it's, a, it's a really odd situation. But you're right. I mean, you know, 11 actually feels like quite a lot of crosses. I, I don't remember them. Yeah, um, I reckon but, nine of them were probably, you know, those sort of Townsend balls that are sort of diagonal oh, but yeah. kind of count as a cross. I know Mitchell got forward a couple of times and, and hit, you know, hit low crosses into the box. And we do that more often than we than we do sort of float across in as well. So, um, and that's something I think, does negatively impact on Benteke anyway. But I don't know if you've got a feeling, Alex, whether or not, you know, Benteke going off really, really hampered us. It seemed to hamper us in the way that we played when he was, um, you know, when he was suspended as well. Do you know? Yeah, I suppose so. But I actually thought AU played quite well when he came on, to be honest. He actually looked better than he has done. And that's saying, that's not saying a lot really, because he's been a bit awful the last month or two. But when he when he came off, came on, he has actually looked quite lively to us. He's actually getting into pockets. Um, but again, we are playing against a really terrible, terrible side um, and a team that play with that, you know, they're free at the back. They are really deep. So there's quite a lot of space of players like Aid to come on and, you know, find that and find space. So, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, I'm, I, I do, I do find it weird though, still that we don't, we don't cross the ball in as, uh, you know, with, with someone like Benteke, who's always, always known as like someone of the best players to head of the ball in, in the division, which is strange, but, yeah, well, it, it, it's funny because when we did used to cross the ball in the box, we'd have players like Meyer on the, in the team and stuff like that, which, which just made me laugh. So, yeah, yeah. it does this weird little thing that we do. We only cross when there's no one there to, yeah. to head it in. But there you go. It's just one of those little like video Dwight Gale as well. I remember mm. when, when Dwight Gale was up top back in the day, obviously, we'd always just cross the ball in then. And now we've got you know someone like Ben Teke up top. We still don't do it, but... Yeah, I guess I guess to be honest, most of the players on our side don't really cross the ball in that often, do they? We don't have you know PVA and Mitchell not really crosses of the ball. And the only person who can really put a cross in the box is someone like a Townsend, isn't it? But he's yeah, very good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, that's you know that's the, the modern game seems to be much more about players from the, playing on the opposite wings these days, cutting in and, and either getting a shot away or putting a slightly different type of cross in, which. You know, there you go. Anyway, um, that's that's quite enough on crossing. Um, Mitchell, um, we can talk about a little bit. We talk about him a lot anyway. Um, I'm just going to say this, Mike, and that is that I I really at the moment really value having a left back who's playing left back 
Um, but you got some stats there. Yeah, I, I think you're in the massive majority now. So he had the most touches by any Palace player in the games, 92 out of 639. Um, most of their threat, so half of all of their chances came down the right flank. Um, a, a little bit came down the middle and then I think it was about 30% down the other side. But um, it was because Bogle was their main threat, I think, um, if you can count it as that. So, you know, he, he dealt with that really well. Um, he talked after the game about how Kuwate has been coaching him through it. Um, I mean, I think most of us surely agree that he's now the first choice left back. Um, yeah. It's probably not not really up for that much debate anymore. We've got to be. Look, in the interest of time, I'm sure we'll get to come back to Tyreek Mitchell uh, another time uh, anyway. Um, you mentioned in there the Zaha Bogle incident where, where Wilf got a little bit frustrated, pushed him away. All I'm going to say on that is, yes, I, in terms of what you put in the uh, the show doc, Mike, it is a storm in a teacup. Um, and I get really frustrated about double standards. Um, when people, for, for example, praise someone like James McCarthy for getting in people's faces, putting in tough challenges, you know, get, you know, getting involved with a ref, winding people up. But when Zaha does it, it's petulance and he's a spoiled child. You know, that, that to me is showing a, a, a bias that I, I don't feel comfortable with. So I think people will always, to some degree, remember Wilf as a as quite a, a, you know, a difficult and aggressive youngster who used to respond badly to being wound up. But, you know, he plays with aggression. He plays with passion. And those are the what those are the things we should be saying about it. If he gets himself sent off, if he creates a problem, he will rightly deserve criticism. But when he's just fighting his corner, when he's getting frustrated about being kicked, when he's being wound up by other people, and in that incident, Bogle said something to him. All right, he wasn't angry when he got up after the foul. He's looking at the ref, and you could see it on the replay. Bogle says something to him. Don't know what he says, and Wilf reacts in a way that's like, "Why? Why would you say that? It's ridiculous." So it was obviously something unpleasant and unnecessary and and you know human beings are allowed to get upset in that situation you know we don't watch robots so um there you go look mark drew said uh, has that result saved roy i'm going to answer that really quickly it depends entirely on your perspective whether or not roy needs saving uh, but to me beating sheffield united beating a, a really poor team doesn't mean that we we can't be frustrated about the things that have been frustrating us all season you know and i still think personally that this is Roy's final season. And personally, I'd like a change sooner rather than later. But I was really encouraged by the match. I was encouraged by the fact we got three points. And it does certainly take a little bit of the pressure off of him for sure. So I want to talk about our sponsor, Pitch Sport. They've been our sponsor for quite some time now. You will be aware of them. But please do get involved. If you Google Pitch Sport Football or Pitch Sport DMM, you'll be able to download their app to your device. And I was uh, doing the post-match ratings this week and um, I predicted a score of a 1-0 win to Sheffield United. That's just reverse psychology. Don't worry about that. I wasn't expecting to. Anyway. <clears throat> um, I voted for my man of the match and that was James Tompkins. Oh, that was interesting, isn't it? I went to James Tompkins. Um, who did you go with, Alex, very quickly? Who's your man of the match? In yesterday, um, I would probably say um, Eze. I think Eze was there you go. excellent. He did get yeah. given it by the commentators. Yeah. Mike, how about you? Uh, I mean, Eze really, but uh, yeah, I thought Jimmy Mack. Well, here we go. Um, both good choices, I have to say, but I've, I've loved having Tompkins back in. I'm sure we'll talk about that again in a sec. And uh, if you want to add me on the Pitch Sport app, my code is K-U-G-K-U-T. And uh, just so you're aware, my ratings for team selection this week were three out of five. Uh, referee was three out of five because I didn't notice him too much. 
Manager, I gave three and a half out of five because I'm a nice guy. Uh, but atmosphere, I gave 0.5 because that's the lowest that will allow me to go because there was no atmosphere. Um, although you can count um, Ray Lewington as atmosphere and he gets that all on his own. Um, so anyway, we'll leave that there. But do download Pitch Sport DMM. Get involved on there. Um, all those statistics get put into some wonderful um, material that gets shared with us, helps us build the show. The more people that are involved, the better those stats are, the better they reflect fan opinion. Uh, support them because they support us. Okay, it's listener feedback time before we finish the show by talking about the key off-the-pitch um, situation this week. So very quickly, let's steam our way through. Uh, Alex, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, uh, Cameron has got in touch. That's Krenjel994 on Twitter. Some some of these Twitter names are hard to say. He says, is Schlupp our best finisher? Uh maybe, maybe up there with Will. He's definitely a better finisher than, than Ben Teke anyway. But um, I think Schlup on his left, his left foot, he's definitely the best left foot in the club, isn't he? Um, and and he's shown that he scores quite a lot of goal for us. So so I think he's definitely up there with Wilf, Um and he's, and he's scored a lot of important goals for us. Well, I've heard, I think Ray Lunton's gone on record as saying that he's the best finisher at the club. And you're right, that left yeah. foot is uh, is pretty special. But he does score a few with his right as well. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he is, he is two footed. That's why he's he, played He used on the to right. be a striker, didn't he, back in the day when he was at Leicester? Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. used to be a striker and obviously played everywhere for us. But yeah, he he's he's definitely someone who's, you know, who if you give him a chance, he can score, he can score, you know, important goals. So yeah, I think he's he's been, he's been decent, bro. Mike, this one's for you. Colin Squire Senior is talking about, says, Tompkins, now he's fit and hopefully he can stay fit. Has to be our best centre-back. Him and Kuyate look good in the middle, although it was against a poor side. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to say. I, I'm still clinging to the fact that for me in the last few years, the Tompkins-Sacco combination was the best and it, it was an absolute rock of a defence. Um, Tompkins, he's, he's clearly a real leader. Um, his comments after the game, um, you know, suggested that he was, he's been missed by um, other players in the team. So he's got that to his game. Um, I don't know how much Kuate does. Um, you know, so, yeah, he, he's he's a leader. Um, he's going to hopefully be with the club a little bit longer than Cahill because, um, you know, he's already 35. So, um, yeah, people say Tompkins perhaps, you know, is coming towards the end of his career. I really don't see it. He's got another five years in him. I, I really think we should be investing in Tompkins. Um, and just to say that Sai said, uh, Sabre 74, credit to Tompkins who comes back in after 10 months out and immediately improves the defence. I think that probably sums it up better than I did. Absolutely right. And and just to, on a word on Kuyate as well, it was interesting to hear Mitchell talk about the uh, the positive impact that Kuyate has with him playing on that side now. Now Tompkins is back in. Uh, the fact that he talks to him throughout the game, talks about where he needs to be. Um, and that's again, that's a role that Tompkins used to do very well with uh, Wampasaka when he broke through as well. And it, it is, is really important for all the praise that Mitchell rightly gets. Often it's, you know, with the players limited on limited experience, you have to learn, you know, the, the real fine art of positioning defensively. Um, you know, it, it's the, the job that they do is really important as well. So props to Kiarte for that. And obviously, Kiarte is probably enjoying the fact that he's got a left back that listens to him about where to be anyway. So um, for me, I'm going to take Stephen Barton's question. Um, is the Benteke mini revival over? Absolutely not. Because although he didn't score in this game, you don't get the first goal without Benteke. Similarly, we didn't get the, we don't get the goal 
against Leicester, even though Benteke didn't touch it in that move, he, we, didn't, we don't score it without him being where he is. I think he's playing like a proper striker at the moment. And it's not always going to be about goals for Benteke. Great that he got the three that he did. Um, but obviously now it's three and six. And people are talking about potentially that 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 revival being over. Don't see it myself. Um, Stephen also asked a question about PVA and Mitchell asking if PVA should play left in front of Mitchell on the left as a, as a left wing. No, I want to say, I mean, I understand why people say it, not a criticism at all, but PVA is not a left winger, despite what people say, because if he was a left winger, people would play him in, on the left wing. He's never been played there. Um, we've never picked him there. And is he better than Schlupp on the left wing? No. Is he better than Eze on the left wing? No. Is he better than Wilfred Zaha on the left wing? Absolutely not. So, I don't see why you'd do it. You'd just be shoehorning a player in who basically should be playing their current position better. That's that's my view on that. And yeah, I have imagine to say, I'm, Max I'm not... Mayer's reaction as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, Alex, you can take this last one as well. I oh, know it's, it's, it's again about Mitchell. So I'll tell you what, we'll bring you we'll bring you in. Actually, no, you can you can PVA. Talk about I was Mitchell. gonna talk about PVA actually. I, I wonder yeah, if we will cut our losses about on PVA in terms of like this January because I know he was linked with a move, wasn't he, to back to Holland. He was linked to PSV in the um, summer. So I wonder if they might think, you know, why not? Let's just get a bit of cash for him. Um, I, I, I don't know how long's left on his contract. Is it eighteen months? Um, no, he's uh, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Oh, so there we go. So I yeah. wonder if they might cash in on um, on PVA because you know there was interest in the summer and the fact that he's not playing now. Um, I, I wonder someone like that in terms of his age as well, and he probably wants to be in the Euro squad as well for um, for for the, the Dutch national team. So I wonder if there is something there that might happen um, in January. Yeah, I've got to say that I, I don't. I think you know the. When the, this is one of the problems with the club leaving these contracts as long as they have all the powers with him now. Is it yeah. that tough for him to just play out the season and then take his pick of a move? I think we're going to have to work very, very hard to get anything for him, for him to yeah, agree of course. to move. Unless someone massive comes along and, and wants to buy him, you know, and that's the move he wants anyway. But I think, you know, all the cards are really with him. Um, and I, I don't think he want, he, he's going to sign, even if we want to keep him. And I'm not sure. The only reason I, I can see for wanting to keep him is that it costs money to replace him. And that's the only real thing there. So, look, we've got to end the show by talking about the um, probably the biggest part of the, the off-field um, news ahead of the game and indeed after the game. Um, so I, I don't want to dwell a tremendous amount of time on it. Loads of contact in from people. Stephen Barton asking, please discuss Lucas starting despite the reported breach of guidelines and Roy's post-match comments. Did he say he values three points over guidelines designed to save lives or have I misunderstood? I'll come back to that in a sec. Ebo also saying he can't ignore, ignore Luca and his disregard for the COVID rules. Played well today, but should not be on the pitch after that. Absolute stupidity from someone who's supposed to be a leader. Um, Dillman's got in touch and, and you know, he's given the, the other angle of it, which I think is what we need to talk around as well, which is could it just simply be a case of Palace waiting for a full explanation, innocent until proven guilty, given the importance of the game as highlighted by so many fans, full focus on the game and then deal with Luca after. And I think that's probably the explanation that, that you'd go with in the fact that the club would have done all the preparation with Luca playing there ahead of the game. Um, but to me, it really does leave a sour taste in the mouth. But what I'm going to say, and I'll let you guys talk after this, but what I'm just going to say on it is for Roy to say what he did after the match, I think perhaps gives a real indication 
as to what might be going on there. And I'm, I can only speculate. I don't know anything. But Roy, Roy's comments have been really consistent around COVID rules, right? He's been really sensible. He's been really clear. Um, and in most of the post-match stuff that you that you saw, he was he condemned Luca and said the club would deal with it, deal with it internally. It was only really the the specific time that he got kind of pushed and got on the defensive that he, he said some some comments that seemed odd in isolation, basically saying that I don't think fans would care that they would see the the match as more important, um, and that that seemed really odd. And the only thing I could think of when I was talking with Dr on the watch along is that there's something that we don't know about that situation. Now that could be that Luca had basically made it clear that he was going to do that, which seemed, would seem a really, really odd thing to do because I don't think the club would sanction it. Um, or there's an element going on that if you punish Luca, potentially you need to punish other players if other players did it. And I think we're probably all sensible and adult enough to have expected that Luca's decision was something that was uh, was highlighted in a in an Instagram post. But I dare say throughout the entire footballing world, there's been loads of unreported cases of people doing that because they are in this bubble. They get regular tests as to whether or not they have COVID. So it's the kind of justification human beings use to to, to do things that they shouldn't. And you know, I think we've got to be careful not to be too hypocritical. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are up in arms about it who themselves technically have probably breached COVID guidelines. But my, my overriding feeling is I, I don't think he should have played. Um, I don't think it's an issue over captaincy. I don't think he should have played. Um, and you cannot, under any circumstances, excuse the stupidity, especially with a manager who's 73 years old, and especially with games being called off left, right and centre, including the Fulham matches where you know Mitrovic is playing. So that's um, my long diatribe on it. Um, Alex, then Mike? Yeah, well, I was going to say, he's in such a privileged situation, isn't he? The fact that he's got the the benefit and the luxury of regular testing. Um, he's got the luxury of having the sport of the club, um, you know, luxury as well of having money, you know, in terms of having his livelihoods still. And if you compare that to some fans, you know, lots of people have lost their livelihoods because of this crisis and, and this pandemic. And the fact that, you know, the, the fact that he, as a captain of the club, does that it's just it's, it's shameful really I, I'm I'm really embarrassed I, you know I've always you know I gave him the benefit of doubt you know when he there were rumours of his breaches um, in the summertime I think it was um, at the beginning of the season um, but this is inexcusable um, it's it's a kick in the teeth really because you know I always stood up to Luca and I always thought he was a leader for us and someone that you know leads by example but the fact that you know he's put two fingers up to the rules and all the, the regulations in place um, it, it it makes me makes me a bit upset, really, because you know fo- footballers have got it easy. They've got it easier than other professions. You, you see the cricket players; they're stuck in these fire bubbles for months on end. They're not seeing their family and friends. These footballers are able to see their fa- their family, um, you know, straight after training, straight after the game. You know, oh, okay, I know they'll be travelling from game to game, but it's not as strict and as as rigid as as someone like a cricket bubble or other sports. So yeah, it just it just makes me disappointed, really. I'm a bit upset by by the whole situation, and I do feel like I feel that you know his captaincy should be under under you know scrutiny. I, I, I don't I don't see how you can have someone like that, especially you know look at the situation London's in at the moment with, with all the regulations and the fact that lots of people you know are dying from this this, this, this like horrible disease, and the fact that he can just think that he's above the rules is just just not right. 
not right to me at all. I mean, I, all I can add, you've covered everything really. Um, sometimes Roy gets pushed into a corner and he sees the red mist and, and you kind of know that he doesn't mean what he's saying. Um, and I think that is one of the the very small amount of faults um, in his public relations skills. Obviously, he did it for England and he's never been forgiven. Um, let's see what happens. If the club do nothing and keep and don't mention it again and it doesn't come up in the in the interviews like it hasn't, you know, they made sure it didn't on the on the site. Then let's let's look at it again in a week. I, I'd imagine that it probably will, and he's just on borrowed time at the moment. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? Because what, what happened with Fulham, didn't it? With Fulham, obviously, the game getting called off, and you'd think you'd think PR wise, that's not a great look to be seen with Mitrovic as well. I get, I, I know it's bad enough breaking the rules, but as well with someone who's obviously whose club's been affected heavily by COVID, who's had match, who's had their match called off tomorrow. The fact that you you know would just it's complete disregard, complete disregard, and disgrace, absolute disgrace. But look, this this, this is the problem, right? And and this this you know we obviously we can't can't go on to, too long. But this, this is the problem, in my view, is that we again we're dealing with something that was stupidly posted to Instagram. It doesn't excuse it, but it's something that people are aware of. The problem really comes with how do you do you deal with do you only deal with somebody because they were caught out publicly what if and i'm not saying this is the case but what if there's um there's more people at palace who the club are aware breached the guidelines what if, what if that's the case then because you have to deal even handedly with everybody that's i don't expect other than probably a public statement of apology i don't expect there to be any more said than that i think it would be a case of luca will will probably put a statement out that says you know i acted incorrectly it was a stupid thing to do. It was a spur of the moment decision. Shouldn't have done it. I apologise to everybody, but I, I genuinely feel it's it's a can of worms if you you know if you if you start punishing the only people who who got caught out because I, I believe firmly believe it's much more widespread than just Luka Milovic well, spending Chris. time. He's done it twice. Now. Well, has it? Did he? Well, that, that, that was a rumour. If he has done it, this could well, be the there same is, time. There's no, no, there is no evidence. I mean, he got he got COVID twice, didn't but, he? But he, he, was, to, he was. Didn't he go back to Serbia? Didn't he go back to Serbia with uh, something that wasn't actually uh, sanctioned by the club to go make a trip back to? So that was a rumour. I, I thought he was on international duty. Uh-huh. That's when he got COVID. I don't. I don't believe there was another incident. But you know, even if if there was, but you know, that's that's obviously really bad. But that you know, it's not it's not a double jeopardy situation, is it? It's the sim- simple truth is. You know, in this scenario, we can't talk about rumours and, and whether or not they were true. We can talk about what factually happened and what factually happened is that he got caught out over New Year. But like, I'm just saying that there's there's more to it. It's not black and white. None of these things ever are. The only black and white part is he did something extremely wrong that, that people are quite rightly offended about. But, you know, I, I suppose it's very easy for us to say, I, I just put it this way, if it wasn't him, right, if it wasn't a, a player who's under... A lot of scrutiny and pressure. And there's a lot of people out there who don't think he should be playing, who think he's been in poor form for a long time. There's a lot of people who don't think he's he's the best captain for Palace and lots of people talking about others stepping in. But if it wasn't him, if it was, let's say it was Eze, let's say it was Wilf, I don't think for one second there'd be anywhere near the same level of, of you know vitriol that's been aimed in his direction. And that's the problem. That's the why I say be careful about hypocrisy. But none of what I've said there excuses any of it. I think the right thing to do is apologise, but let's not demonise people for being idiots. You know, we don't we don't revere footballers for their 
for their intelligence and their um and their self awareness. We revere them for their for their talent on the pitch. And I think in a as as Mike said, in a kind of overly defensive backed into a corner kind of way, I suspect that's really what Roy was getting at in that, you know, he didn't expect people to be that angry and given the fact that the club <laughs> seem to have prioritised the results over some some action, but look, um, we'll see what happens. Um, from from my opinion, I, you know, all you know, I want to see a, a proper apology, um, and, and but that's all I really I really want to see. Um, whether or not he's you know his captaincy is under threat, that's for others to, to think about. Um, I, I can't really say too much there. Anyway, it's uh, it's it's perhaps something that we you know could have talked about longer with more detail, and, and hopefully no one's offended by anything that we've said. We're you know we're we're sort of speaking off the cuff as well. None of that was prepared. So <laughs> if I've said anything that um, the people thinks out of order, just you know get in touch, let us know. And if, I, if I've spoken out of turn, I apologise. It's certainly not what I was aiming for. We do absolutely all three of us. I'm sure you, you're clear. Do condemn what what was done there, and, and and you know we're clear that it was wrong, especially. Given how much we all have to suffer in the current yeah, circumstances, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did spend Christmas Day on my own, so I totally yeah, same. get it. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having to have a Zoom call with the family—the only Christmas Day I've ever spent on my own. Um, I don't. I'm sure that's the same for many, many people. Um, yeah, I couldn't even find the spider in my living room for company. I don't know where it went. So that's how bad it was for me. But there you go. Uh, bad times. Anyway, that's everything for you this week thank you very much for listening thank you to everybody who got in touch with the show today whether we used your message or not it does really help us develop the plan for the show every week so please engage with our sponsors that sponsors that's pitch sport football and manscaped they support us so we can keep this show free for everyone so please support them like follow subscribe on our social accounts preview team will be back for a look ahead to friday night's trip to molyneux as palace face wolves in the fa cup And until next time, come on you palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.